0: This is Duncan Holder on Sports 1280, New Orleans. Welcome back, Duncan Holder, Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here with you in our iHeartRadio studios and joining us right here on the show. Former Saints Pro Bowl center, LaCharles Bentley. And LaCharles, I'm just going to assume you can still play today. And I think, he, I, here's the thing, I think the Saints could be giving you a call today because if you've been out to practice, uh, I know you haven't, but we, uh, we've we watched practice the last couple of days, and without Max Unger, they're having trouble snapping the football, and it's been embarrassing. So, well, Charles, A, I think you'd make the team already, but B, I think they need you to get out there just to snap.
1: I think I can at least get on the practice squad. Easy, at least, at least P squad. And
0: they got veteran. They got the veteran spots in the practice squad. You're in.
1: I, I, exactly.
0: I'm, I'm making the call. I'm making the call for you.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: But
2: seriously, La we wanted to get your insight into that. Uh, I was talking to Bobby Abar at practice the other day. So their their backup centers are really struggling with their shotgun snaps. They're coming in high, almost consistently high to the quarterback. And Bobby was talking about how much that disrupts the timing of the play, uh, and it really is almost insurmountable if that continues, uh, it disrupts the practice and the efficiency of the offense.
1: Well, he's absolutely right. And the thing with the shotgun snap, it is a kind of similar to offensive line play as a whole. It's a dying art form. And what's happening is you're seeing so many younger players in college and even now at the high school level, it kind of just keeps matriculating through. You see players using this, what's called the dead ball snap. And it's a bit awkward, but it's a bit more, I guess you could say, consistent in some of the, the, the mechanics of it or delivery of it. But the problem is at the NFL level, you know, you can't really operate under that one particular um, mode for so long. So you have to really teach players how to properly snap the football. And with other elements of offensive line play, it's becoming more and more difficult to teach these kids on the run how to do things properly at a high level, especially in a high-stress environment.
0: Former Saints Pro Bowl center LaCharles Bentley joining us right here on Duncan Holder on Sports1280, NOLA.com, and the iHeartRadio app. Uh, LaCharles, I know you've been off the field a while, but... All I know is you're helping so many people that are on the field right now, and you, you're you one of the, probably the country's most sought-after guy uh, in developing offensive linemen workouts. Just kind of let our listeners know uh, what you've been doing. You're out in Arizona, and it, it seems like offensive linemen are flocking to you to kind of get your expertise.
1: Well, I built the business over the last, going on, almost 10 years now with building and developing and evaluating offensive line athletes. And it's also now transitioning to a teaching component where we're now coaching the coaches on how to become more effective at getting players up to speed from the training aspect, nutrition standpoint, mental, and obviously the 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 on-the-field element as well. And it's been fun. It's been a tremendous uh, personal challenge for me. And considering how my career ended, I felt I had so much left on the table But that was the biggest blessing uh, for me because it allowed me to really dive deep into the understanding and nuances of offensive line play. I think with so many former players, you leave the game and you believe you know every damn thing there is to know about football when, in fact, you really don't know anything uh, because you've been told what to do for so long and you've been processed through this, I guess you could say, conveyor belt and those that have a higher level of genetic output can you know, tend to do better than other players that don't, but you really haven't digested the why of what you do. So great athletes generally don't know why they're able to do what they're due. So for me personally, when I was not able to physically uh, perform at the level that I was accustomed to, I had to really take a step back and understand nuances from the biomechanics, uh, from just the overall physiology of just how the body is supposed to work, uh, and try to build myself back as a player. But Ultimately, what ended up happening is I went from an athlete to a student to now I teach uh, this element and this lifestyle of offensive line play. And for me personally, it's fulfilling. This is my current calling. This is where I'm supposed to be at in life. And, you know, I really enjoy it.
2: Well, Charles, one of your pupils is now a New Orleans Saint. Right guard Larry Warford signed a four-year, $34 million contract. Uh, this offseason with the Saints, and that must have been gratifying to you because he's been with you for a while. It's a guy that you helped develop, uh, not only physically but mentally, and it must have been nice to see him rewarded with that nice contract.
1: You know, you're you're spot on with that because Larry is the guy that – one of the guys early on that bought in uh, from out of college and bought into the system and bought into the process. And I remember driving down – uh, from Cleveland, I was in Cleveland at the time. I drove down to Kentucky, and I sat with him and his dad in his little <laughs> little college apartment. And we were actually getting—they were getting ready to watch uh, a big game. I won't say what game it was, but it was a big game. And there was a, a player at that time that was the most sought-after guard in the country in that respective uh, draft class. And I remember sitting there with Larry, and I said, "Hey, if you just do what I tell you to do, you know, you're going to be better than this." particular player and sure enough he looked at me as if I was crazy and uh but he bought in and I we went through the whole process from uh soup to nuts and even training on Christmas morning here in Arizona uh and to see him go in and and, and take hold of his career and to see him continue to grow yeah it's, it's extremely gratifying and you know to be able to have that impact uh on a player but also a player to still have an impact on me personally because, as I said, you know, when you're a former player or when you're an athlete, you really don't have a true respect for what you're doing and why you're able to do it. But when you're able to still impact guys' careers and lives, man, I tell you, I, I see why teachers in this country feel so good about their jobs and being able to impact and have a, a value in the community and in people's lives. And it's, it's, it's awesome. And to see him monetarily be able to quote-unquote cash in – uh, yes, it does feel good, and I'm very proud of it. And I'm hoping to continue to see him grow as a person and player.
0: LaCharles well, Bentley join us right here on Dunk and Holder. LaCharles, uh, what kind of player are the Saints getting in Larry Warford? We've seen him in pads for three days, and he seems like he's a bit of a road grader. <laughs> we've seen him. We've seen him <laughs> take some guys out and uh, and push him around uh, pretty well.
1: Larry, I think the biggest strength that Larry has is his attention to detail. And that's something that a lot of players, you know, be it old or young, they just just don't have it. And with offensive line play, it's a skill set. It's a learned skill set, and it's accrued over a period of time. But even as it accrues over a period of time, there's always more left in the tank for you to learn and to figure out. And with Larry, he's mastered that element of it. He's in constant pursuit of how to, to connect the dots, so to speak, in his performance, and that is his biggest strength. But also it can be a big weakness for him as well because he's never satisfied and he's always thinking about what's next and how to be better at X, Y, and Z. And sometimes as a player, you have to take a step back and appreciate where you are and then understand that the whole thing in terms of uh, your growth is a process. And I think with Larry, his biggest strength is his attention to detail and willingness to invest the time Uh, on the field and off the field to master the details and nuances of the craft but at times it can also be one of those things that you know something's bothering him and it kind of gets in his head a little bit but that's when you know you got a guy that uh, you can feel good about sending him out into the world so to speak because you know he's gonna figure it out eventually I always tell this uh, with the young players, it's much easier to get a dog not to bite than it is to try to get him to bite. And so, with Larry, sometimes you got to pull him back a little bit. And that's something that, as an organization, as an offensive line coach, as a team, as a unit, you know, you always want that type of guy around.
2: Well, Charles, one of the developing stories of Saints camp has been the injury to left tackle Taryn Armstead. And the Saints are going to go with their young rookie, Ryan Ramcheck right now and mainly uh because they don't want to move andres pete their former first round draft pick who's uh was drafted i think to be a tackle and has kind of found a home at left guard right now and sean payton said he just wants to keep him in one spot doesn't want to move him around but wants to keep him on the left side and i thought that was interesting he said moving him back to the right side is and then back and forth to the left side is really Mm kind of complicated things for him can you speak to that It, it, it seems so simple to the average yeah. fan, I think, but but obviously it's not.
1: Well, you're absolutely right, and and it is way more difficult than uh, than, than it appears to be. And I always kind of boil it down to this simple uh, analogy: is I'm right-handed, so I, I eat with my right hand, and I write with my right hand, and I do everything with my right hand. This is what my dominant side. So imagine being dominant on your right hand but then having to all of a sudden eat with your left hand and, and, and write in cursive write <laughs> <laughs> in cursive with your left hand that's this that that's how it is to go from the left side to the right side and uh it's also a unique challenge for certain players more so than it is for other players some players Have a bit more natural, uh, ambidextrous, you know, persona, so to speak. And they're able to kind of go left to right without a problem. But some guys are really right side or left side dominant. And to just simply say, well, it's a puzzle piece. You just plug this piece in over here and plug this piece in over here. You know, that really can hurt a player's career. And I think that's an element that's often overlooked in player development is understanding where does a player feel most comfortable? And sometimes, you know, as coaches, we they, they often fit into this box of well, you got to be mentally tough. You got to be mentally tough. Well, you know, sometimes it's not about just being mentally tough. It's about being mentally efficient. Instead, and having a player be on the left side when maybe he's more right side dominant, it's not exactly prudent for so for the organization to recognize that. Pete is probably going to be best suited to be on the left side, be it as a guard or be it as a tackle. Great. Leave him there. Let him become more acclimated to that particular position on that particular side. And allow him to grow and develop as a player. But flip-flopping him uh, back and forth can definitely hurt a player's growth.
0: Well, Charles Bentley, former Saints Safety, uh, safety center pro, and yeah, pro. close
1: bowl. enough. Close enough. <laughs> hey, hey. You know, it is the same thing. Uh,
0: that's because <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to kind of throw it off topic with you here. Let uh, Charles Bentley join us right here on Duncan Holder, and it's it's an interesting topic that just popped up recently about the study of CTE uh, that just came out from the uh, VA Boston Healthcare System and Boston University School of Medicine that revealed. 110 of the 100 brains of deceased NFL players had varying levels of CTE. Now, that being said, two guys that we're familiar with down here, uh, Jamal Adams and Morris Claiborne, both said something that was, uh, to me, is kind of mind-boggling, that they believe that dying on the football field would be the place they would want to die and that they weren't mm-hmm. lying about it. And uh, to me, it, it's disturbing. And I know as you, with, with someone who dealt with career-ending injuries mm-hmm. and you, and want to be healthy after you're done playing, I was just curious your thoughts on, on their statements.
1: Well, <laughs> interesting. I'm going to tell you a quick story. And the quick story will allow me to get to my point. And it was a moment where... I got rushed to the hospital after, you know, I got, you know, infection was kind of taken over and I became what they call septic. And I remember getting rushed to the hospital and the doctor walked into the room and he, his immediate words to me were, uh, this is a life and limb threatening situation. And if we put you to sleep, we're not sure that you're going to wake up. And I remember sitting there as a 26-year-old, Pro Bowl center guard, and at the peak of my career in life, which I thought was the peak of my career in life, I remember sitting there, and the only thought that came across my mind was, well, if you're going to cut my leg off, I'd rather die. And not just being a Pro Bowler and uh, all the other things that come along with that, I was a father. I was a father, uh, obviously a son. I was a brother. I was many things to many different people. But at that moment in time, at 26 years old, I had made my mind up that I'd rather die than to live my life without my leg. So what, is all, what am I trying to say here? I'm simply saying this, that when you're young, you're dumb. When you're young, you don't understand your mortality. You don't see it. You feel invincible. And you feel that football is all you have because that's all you've ever done. When you're 26 years old, that's all you know. You spent 26 years of your life working towards a goal, and you really feel in your heart that this is all that there is left in life. And so for these young guys to make these comments, I understand where it's coming from because I've been there. I've been young and dumb before. We've all been young and dumb before. We all have gone out, you know, being 16, 17 years old and drive way faster than we should drive and and do things or drink things we shouldn't be drinking. We've all done it. And that's where this is coming from with these guys. Unfortunately, these comments are being made in a very unique time in our society and and the development or growth of our game. And you can't make these type of comments. But I understand and I empathize with them because I've been there, and we've all been there. But when young NFL players make these comments, yeah, it's going to be on a ticker. It's going to be front-page news. We're going to talk about it here on the radio. But that's the business of the National Football League. Beyond the business and beyond all the rhetoric, you're dealing with young, immature, naive, dumb kids that don't understand that there will be life when this game is over with. And you better freaking hope that there's life when this game is over with because I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how much money you make. I'm in mean, a boatload of money. But I wake up every morning and I still want to compete at something. I still want to be better at something because that's what you are. That's what got you to that point. But it's just, uh, at that point, it's about the quality of your life. Not just waking up slobbering all over your damn self. Not just waking up and having someone have to hold your hand and go to the bathroom. That's not the life I want to live. And I damn sure know that those young men that's not the life they want to live, but they just don't understand all of that it, that is going to come their way post-career because they're living in a very exciting moment in their life, and being stupid is okay. It's okay to feel this way. It's okay. But as adults and as people that understand that there's more to life uh, than football, you know, I caution them uh, to really understand and take a step back and empathize with, A, former players, wives, Uh, children that have gone through this and seen the back end, I caution them to empathize. I I ask them to empathize with that sect. But for them to feel the way that they feel, you know what, I get it. I've been there. I understand. But I also warn them that, "Hey, hey, there's life when this thing is over with and you use this game to get all that you can out of it. But when it's over with, You better get ready to really begin your life. And talk about dying on a damn football field, I think not. But I look back, 26-year-old Charles Bentley was perfectly okay dying on a damn surgery table because you were going to cut my leg off and I couldn't play football no more.
0: Well, Charles, I Um, hope every NFL player listens to this and takes it to heart i really do i i had no idea you'd be this passionate about it i just threw it out there and i i appreciate your candor Le charles bentley appreciate you
1: guys. Take yeah LaCharles charles bentley right
0: here on dunk and holder wow let me just tell you wow it was right from the heart wasn't it absolutely and he's someone exactly he has a story to go with this and i didn't i knew it was bad i didn't know it was that bad and so it's interesting you got a reaction to that We'll talk about it later on in the show. 504 260 1280. We ran long on that segment, but rightfully so. But next segment, we will switch gears. UNO men's basketball coach Mark Schlesinger joining us right here on sports1280, noah.com, and the iHeartRadio app. We're Duncan Holder. With the
2: Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.